0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist?
1: Hello, so game week three comes to a close. Off we head into the International Snooze Fest, allowing us to step back to look more at how this season shapes up as we progress from the opening stages. Plus, of course, have an opportunity to take a break from thinking about FPL for just a little bit. Not me, of course, because I pulled my wall card last night. But, you know, there we go. Uh, we are Who Got The Assist? I'm Tom, WTA FPL on Twitter. 50,000 followers today. Thank you very much. I don't know why you follow me, but uh, very, very kind. My co-host, Anthony, is at FPL Stag. I'm also on Instagram, WTA.FPL. Make sure to give us a follow on those channels. And if you've enjoyed this, or indeed have enjoyed anything done in the past and haven't got around to it yet, this is the last time I'm going to say it this season because I know it's a bit annoying if you've done it already, but please give us a five star review wherever you listen. These are hugely appreciated in terms of spreading the word of the podcast. Lead code to IP43T. Never gets any worse, does it? And um, we're also on video. Um, it will never replace the audio, but just so you know, it's there in case you want to see us unedited for some reason. Mostly me drinking beer. This is a FPL Merch's nice glass that I got from him for free. Hashtag ad. Search us on YouTube to find us there. This week, we're joined by a pod debutant. It's a good friend of ours, James Crowe, at FPL underscore JQ. I've met him in real life a few times. He's all right. Yeah. Welcome to the pod, J-Dot.
2: Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. Debut for me, but I'm in safe hands, as um, as far as I can tell. Yeah, welcome, J-Dot. It's great to have you on.
0: This pod is uh, going to be a bit of an awkward one for me, as we're going to get to in the game week reviews. So I'm kind of just, I'm delighted that the international break is coming to rescue me from my FPL stupor. Uh, But this pod, anyway, what we're going to do is uh, deal with the big bomb that hit the football world and the FPL world with the return of Cristiano Ronaldo to Manchester United. That was only confirmed last Friday, of course, well after we recorded our last podcast. That, of course, has led to lots of questions about how to add the 94 goals and 98 Juventus appearances man into FPL teams. But there's been far less questions about how that affects other components of a successful FPL side. So building a bit on last week's pod, where we focused very heavily on premium assets, Ronaldo would be one of those, of course, but we're going to use a slightly different lens. What we're going to ask instead is if we're going to be preserving our free transfers for some sort of premium hokey-cokey, then who are the mid-priced ever-presents who are going to be the set-and-forgets in our FPL sides? We will have correspondence then dealing with the actual Ronaldo question itself, but we're going to unfortunately kick off this podcast
1: with the game re- reviews. We'll get there in a minute. There's a, a bit of a drum roll and um, I think me and J-Doc gonna have to get through ours quite quickly. Uh, James, uh, you are first as a guest and also as the highest scoring man uh, this week. Um, 65 you got. Talk us through it. how did it go?
2: God, well I guess there's always the tension isn't there of um, that that was hanging over me all weekend knowing that I was coming on here. Um, you know I had to get at least you know sort of a, a respectable, a respectable score I felt so um, yeah I brought uh, James fairly- you
0: don't need to have a respectable score to be on this podcast.
2: <laughs> oh, well, see, I'm a, I'm a one-off though, so you can pull it back next week. This is my one chance. So, yeah, 65 got to be happy with that. Obviously, Greenwood still coming through with the goods. Captain, Captain, um, you know, delivered two free transfers, and I sort of rolled one over and used the other to do Veltman, who inexplicably managed to match Kufel this week, despite being ruled out till after the international break kind of regret it a little bit to be honest sold up the river by Kufal a bit but but <laughs> never mind other than that no complaints really sitting at around 45k I think at the moment so yeah if, if you'd have offered
1: me that at the start of the season I would have bitten your hand off yeah and you've had a couple of decent finishes in recent years as well haven't you
2: yeah my, my highest overall was 1617, where I finished 2.5k um, and I managed to follow that up. I, I then had a couple of sort of middling seat. Well, you know, they were sort of five-figure ranks. But, um, but yeah, so um, I think because because that 2.5K was my first real solid finish. So I thought, oh, it'll be a breeze from here on in. But then, yeah, so, you know, I, I dropped back a little bit after that. But I've had another 10. And then last season, I, I got 28K. So yeah, I guess the goal is always just to try and beat those, really. But, um, yeah, really happy with the start of this season. So it's early days, though. <laughs>
1: right so i was just three points behind you this week 62 um Captain Antonio so pretty happy with that really I think it was the highest scoring player in my team which is always good when, you, when that happens I mean I had blanks from uh, Bruno, Ben Rama, Barnes Ailing. I didn't say very much from Ailing, to be fair and Sanchez in goal and a lot of the legacy players that I bought in game week one came through um, so Ivan Tony, Danny Ings um, Alexander Arnold he did what Luke Shaw did last week and got two bonus points in a 1-1 out of nowhere really um, I love creative fullbacks in a 1-1 and Mo Salah scored a penalty proper Bruno versus Man city vibes about that one um but yeah 62 it, it's meh i mean i dropped 25k places to 300k or so um my team was not awful there are quite a few kind of problems around the edges and there are a few things i did want to change and more i thought about it i'll speak about it at the end of the pod i kind of thought yeah this might be a good time to roll. i did roll my free transfer as well and some people may think oh you know you're an idiot because you rolled your free transfer you missed your chance at one week sort of pump but you know what i think it's just the right thing to do for me 300k, which is an okay start, um, but I'm yeah looking forward to unleashing my wild card now. Speaking of unleashing wildcards, um, Anthony, you unleashed yours this week. How did that go for you? You know the way at the moment
0: we're living in a world where global warming is slowly but surely melting polar ice caps, <laughs> and there are faraway <laughs> islands that are sinking, um, but because most of the world thinks that's a faraway problem, it, they don't think it could happen to them. So you're like that, Tom. You're the faraway lands. You don't think that they could happen to you. But what happened to me... Oh, what's me. It's happening happened
1: to me a lot, Anthony. Yes,
0: well, what's happened to me is what's happening to places like Kiribati in the Pacific right now where I very much sunk in FPL terms. I got uh, James as captain and just one of his midfielders, or indeed your captain and one of your midfielders, scored more than my whole team combined. I got 28 points. I, on live FPL, managed to discover that it does indeed have the functionality for a four-figure rank change in percentage terms. I went up by a (laughs) 1,000% in my rank from 101K to 1.1 million. Oh, I'm sorry, bro. Which is a pretty big fall, uh, especially when you consider that I wildcarded. I might as well go through what I did to start with. So I kept the same two goalkeepers off my wildcard, being Sanchez and good old Renarsson on the old bench. Then in defence, what had been Alexander-Arnold, Shimekas, Soufal, Veltman and White ended up becoming Soufal, Ailing, Livramento, Cody, I got White back in again on the cheap because he was four point four, and it was just a handy access route into a good, what should be anyway, a good defence um, for later on with decent fixtures. But I got the value save on that. In midfield, what had been Greenwood, Fernandez, Rafinha, Salah, and Alan, uh, Alan survived <laughs> just about. Fernandez survived. Rafinha survived. I brought in. Diogo Jota and Ben Rama, so it was Greenwood and good old uh, Salah who dropped out of that. So I could have obviously done the the opposite of that and kept Salah and kept Greenwood and decided to sell Fernandes and Jota. That would have changed the whole complexion of the game week, but no, I went the other way. Anthony, yeah,
1: FPL stag on Twitter was yeah. very condemnatory about a certain Ben Rama all week.
0: This is this is one of these really uh, annoying things where it's. It's one of these, it's one of these things where I actually don't isn't it? No, but I actually don't think that people should be saying that there are some people, you know, laughing that I was right, but at what cost? And it's kind of like, I you shouldn't, no one should say I was right about Ben Rama based on one week. You know, no, like
1: no, I in, I know, but the the it's a comedic effect if, I know, if but I just work hard.
0: For, for you, uh Tom, it's funny, but to someone else, they actually might genuinely think I was right about Ben Rama all along. And yeah. that's like that's that's a concerning mentality to have. Like that's outcome bias of the highest order. Like the fact of the matter is I don't think Ben Ram is a good pick, but I was swerving the template so much already with this godforsaken team that I decided, right, I'd better just put that lad in. Because the fact of the matter was was like otherwise I was gonna end up putting and I and I'm swearing god someone like gray into my team i was like that's a bit of a gamble and i didn't want to do that yeah i know, I know um yeah. then up front sorry just the the forward line went from the classic ing's tony and antonio i kept antonio thank goodness that was never um off the agenda and then i also had kane and lukaku came into my side kane was captain he got a two-pointer and that includes oh. the doubling yeah, that that so the yellow times. Card. But the thing with Kane was that, like, he did have the opportunities. It's really frustrating. But anyway, mm. um, he like he had okay. You only have if you look at the stats. He had I think it's one shot. The thing is, is, that if you watched any of the highlights or watching the game or whatever, you kind of yeah, see that he like yeah, yeah. almost there uh, multiple cool. times. Could have had a pen. This is it, and like you know. If we go through the live FPL data on, you know, the effective points
1: against me. Not not that I prepare the case for myself or anything, but if we well, go through the data, which I was painstakingly put together before yeah. this podcast to prove yeah. I'm lucky. Yeah. Um,
0: the, the biggest hit to my rank was Mo Salah, the little known Egyptian midfielder who scored, um, who had a 99% EO against me. So his 10 points counted for 9.9 against me. That was pretty hard. The thing that's frustrating there is that actually Salah had a relatively from an FPL perspective anonymous yeah, game against yeah, Chelsea yeah. except for the fact that he got a penalty and that's like not to sound like, you know, someone on analytics FC going mad, but like that's variance of the highest order. The penalty. Like and che- and like that ruins the Lukaku pick and Lukaku in and of himself depending on which XG model you look at still ended up with the second highest XG in that fixture behind Mo Pen sala, uh, so you know it is what it is. Yeah, Antonio, not to the red
2: card as well.
0: But yeah, the red card is of course that means that Lukaku mm. doesn't end up having another chance effectively, and like, that's yeah. that's unfortunate. Uh, Antonio obviously hit me because I didn't captain him. That's that's life. Shaw hit me hard. His six pointer still hit me for four point nine nine. Greenwood, who I obviously sold, this hit me particularly hard in the soul. His eight points hit me for three point nine nine. Trent, who I didn't have, and his proxy bonus points meant that his four points hit me for 3.24 and then there's the likes of Ings Tony, DCL, Region Dina, Diaz, whatever, like they all hit me for sixes and yeah,
1: sevens.
0: Yeah, um, all uh, in all, there was just quite a few things went wrong and I know the thing is, is that, okay, I, I think the one thing that I really want to focus on from an FPL perspective here is that I sold Salah and I think that most people would say that's, that's mad. Now, we looked, Tom, only just last week at a premium hokey-cokey and selling Salah seemed like it made sense yeah, based on absolutely. the fixtures over about a two-week period. The reason why I kept Fernandez was I really, really feared United having a really, really good game against Wolves. Um, him exploding, and if I'd taken him out of my side, I didn't feel you can't cover and I hate the word cover, but you can't cover Fernandez with Greenwood, especially yeah, because Greenwood yeah. felt like he was going to become a transfer waiting to happen with the Ronaldo signing. Sure. Uh, whereas to an extent in open play, you can cover Salah with Jota. The problem is, is that when you don't have the open play part, it really, yeah. really goes horribly wrong. The rest of the picks, like, look, they will come good, and I'm not, yeah, no, I don't, absolutely. I don't think this was a bad wildcard team. Uh, it was just. An unfortunate <laughs> set of events, like a confluence of events, the likes of which I could not have imagined pre-game. Yeah. Week.
1: Was it all right on the night? Absolutely not. It was an absolute disaster. Um, was it a bad team? Did you make obvious mistakes? Absolutely didn't. Basically, what this to me hinges on is the fact that you went with Bruno and Jota over Salah and Greenwood. Like yeah. if you'd have done that other 50-50, you'd be all right, admittedly you wouldn't be having an amazing time of it, but you'd be kind of in 48. Or something like that, and you'd be all right, you know. Um, but you knew you were taking a risk. You knew you were taking a risk not having Salah. You knew you were having taking a risk not taking Trent. You knew you were taking a risk not taking Shaw. And I think having those players who are really high EO own players um, and not having them in your team, like you know, in the past, I friend baby out of the bathwater. Like no, like last season on my wild card, I threw out Kane and Son. First week without them, they combined. You know, yeah. it, it's one of those things where, like, I guess you've always been a bit kind of you haven't disregarded the EO, but you've always been a guy who's kind of like, well, I'll do my own thing. Like the EO is obviously there, but I'll do my own thing. It just wasn't all right on the night in such a spectacular way that yeah. you have, this is I thing. think, been a bit unlucky. <laughs> this is the um, thing.
0: I do feel I, my last three wildcards, um, as far as my memory serves anyway, have were relatively successful and I don't tend to go wildcard with the bunch. And, it, you know, I, I, I follow my intuition. It tends to work out. And unfortunately, it just really, really didn't this time.
2: Well, you know, I'll just say, like... Kane does this though doesn't he he dangles that cherry in front of you and he just it's happened to me more than once you know he I've, I've seen that prime home fixture and I thought there's got to be a way to get Kane in here and I've done it and he's and he's roared me with one pointer I remember that Cardiff game it was a night I met you and you were so sheepish. I was, yeah it's god I, I was I was like do, do I even turn up to this event like it was, <laughs> it was brutal because I think everyone else had Captain Hazard that night anyway yeah it's just one of those things isn't it you see that home Watford fixture and you kind of you, you kind of Move everything around just to try and target that. I mean Watford well, haven't been the up, up to much. You see, the thing with Kane in this in this situation was I get Kane in for
0: a few weeks and that you see I have one point one million in the bank that sets me up to make him Ronaldo. And this is the thing was that the yeah. wild card set me up that I had Kane, who was top of most of the algorithms as a pick for this week in terms of expected points and things, I had him for this week as a differential, like crazy to have a multiple time 200 club member as a captain, yeah exactly and then i get myself to a Ronaldo this is the thing. I I suppose selling Kane before Palace is is tough now as well. This is actually part of the reason why I went for Lukaku and Kane up top Mm. I'd give myself the choice of which one do I sell (laughs) Yeah, but now
2: they've both got plum fixtures on paper
0: I actually feel like I might just leave them both there as some sort of stubborn, yeah. you know, F you to yeah. the world and just S- expect them both to costs, get like Wait, for them, wait for them them both to get 20 points the next week and just smile or something.
1: Well... Therapy session over for the time being. Let's move on to our objectives quickly uh, before we head into the market forces. Um, This is something that we've been kind of looking (laughs) after this year um, just because we want to keep ourselves accountable. And it's going to be something that we're going to keep doing every week. Um, Hopefully, after hearing the first pod of the season, some of you guys did do that too. We'll recount them very quickly some weeks and other weeks maybe we'll be looking at them thinking, hmm, have we failed? Speaking of failure, that was a really bad segue, but I'm just going to go with it. Anthony, how have you done with your objectives this week? I So
0: I followed the captaincy, which was to captain with the herd or the algos. I captained hard on algos this week and very much ignored the herd. Transfers, I certainly wasn't afraid to transfer eight elite players if I thought they'd dropped off, even when I didn't think they'd dropped off, I still did it. Uh, the timings, this is where I've had a real failure Tom. Yeah, you, you I had. Up, I, I don't woke up make transfers day. late, late, late on a Friday night slash Saturday morning. Yeah, Time I woke up.
1: Away. I woke up on Saturday morning and I saw that you've been speaking to our friend uh, Bernardo's no, Maldonado in New Jersey and our other friend uh, Alex Ball in New Zealand up until the very small hours of Friday. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, no, I, I remember seeing those messages the next morning and thinking, oh
2: something something's cooking here. Right.
0: Because I hadn't revealed all week. Tom, you were aware I was on wildcard. You and Nick were. But I hadn't revealed I was on a a wildcard to the Slack group at all all week and was just there kind of slowly watching as, like, all these big transfers happened. And I was like, oh, my God. I actually was thinking, oh, my word, I've got this perfect opportunity and no one else has the balls to do it. <laughs> you know, I thought I was really on it.
1: Yeah, you, um, you, you were but doing but in the end. Saturday morning, weren't you? Well,
0: I... It, as it transpired I didn't actually change much on the Friday night but the fact of the matter was was that I was still sitting on it and having you know a bit of a conversation about what I was doing and I did I did I make two changes on that night yeah I probably did so I yeah I very much broke that objective I split my country
1: name isn't it yeah um, and then uh, that, that, obviously the play style thing and um, took a wild card so it was really mess this week no no okay um captaincy wise for me um my budget says i've got one, one captaincy do what mikhail's algorithm told you to do every week just because my captaincy is awful um i think i, I would have told you to have captain kane he did he <laughs> did he did indeed um but yeah. i didn't have kane and i would have had to take yep. a minus uh, four months eight to captain so i kind of there's a bit of leeway yep. in that so oh, there is a choice yeah was, i'm just, uh, just uh, choice was hanging myself eight. here so i just left <laughs> that there um chances 53 50, 50 situation take a hit didn't have any 50-50s. Transfer take chance on form, buying bandwagoning players. Well, there were no real bandwagons for me last week, so I already owned the players people were jumping on. Number one, captaincy. Again, achieved. Hooray. I mean, James, are you doing any kind of thing this year around this?
2: Well, yeah, in terms of captaincy, you know, that's always been my Achilles heel, to be honest. So more so this season than ever, I am kind of outsourcing the captaincy a little bit to the Algos. You know, when it actually comes down to it, there's going to be weeks where I'm like, no, do you know what? I, I I've got to go with the gut there, and and I'm still trying to do that to an extent. I mean, perhaps I suppose I'd say I'm overthinking it less. I am going with the more obvious pick in terms of transfers. It's one of those where I think I normally wildcard quite early, like normally around this time actually. But this year, I kind of looked at the fixture planner, kind of you know uh, quite early on and uh, yeah like really early on identified that game week seven eight international break as like you know there's an there's an amazing kind of um kind of fix to switch switcheroo there uh with with city and chelsea Uh, so this is kind of um sort of you know uncharacteristically late for me if all goes to plan that's when i'm planning to wildcard. i think that's kind of led me into making a sort of a, a kind of a loose transfer planner up until then which obviously never works out but, you know, it, it, in my head, I've I've got a bit of a transfer road map up until there. You never really stick to it, do you? But, you know, you I, I guess I think for me it kind of helps with stru- team structure a little bit because, you know, you, you set up with the view to either keeping that kind of team structure or at least you know what you're doing with those players within those certain price brackets, it, whether you're going to move them up at a certain point or, or move them down and, and reshuffle the deck chairs. Yeah, um, yeah it does at least kind of help you kind of know not necessarily who you're transferring in and out, but but how your structure's going to look week to week. You know, I mean, it's early days. I don't know whether it's helping or not yet. I've only made one transfer so far this season, and it was Fallin so, so far, not going so well. Love's a big chance,
1: doesn't he? Right, let's move on to the market forces here, um, just because yeah. we've uh, yeah. obviously spent a lot of time uh, with Anthony lamenting his life, which is which is fair play. Um, but this is market forces where we look at moves and shakes in transfer market, and to get an idea of how... Everybody is reacting uh, in terms of transfers to the game we've just got.
0: That's just blast through. Given that the international break is here, so there's plenty of time for people to be making more transfers. The top transfers in, really, it's uh, Antonio and Ferran Torres who are leading the way. 332k transfers in for Antonio already. And a quarter of a million transfers in for Ferran The likes of Ben Rama, Greenwood and Demeroy Gray are following in there with kind of the mid 100k-ish transfers in. So it's you know pretty much concentrated in midfielders and Antonio in terms of the transfers in. The transfers out though, and interestingly, the most transferred out player is Shimikas, 163k transfers out. Ings follows him, 159k. He might have three returns in three weeks, but None of them feel normal. <laughs> they've, they've all felt a little bit fluky. So I can kind of see how the tide is turning against him and Villa in general. Uh, we've got uh, Rhys James in there, 127k transfers out. That's obvious enough why that is the case. Richarlison, 96k transfers out. And then there's kind of a smattering of players who have kind of you know high five figures in terms of transfers out. Mings, White, Barnes, Pogba and Ihinaccio, Tony are kind of the main ones that you might discuss in that group probably people who are transferring in right now are basically following the form guide with maybe the exception of Ben Rama, who obviously didn't fire this week. And then the transfer's out. You know, it's Jim Acas, whose place is lost. Ings, whose um, fixers are turning and who is obviously uh, just kind of
1: performing. Martinez is out. also transferred out by 165,000. Um, oh, I never even, I
0: never look at goalkeepers, sorry. <laughs> he's off to Argentina. Yes, he's, he's so heading he's away and
1: once he goes away. 5.5 so uh, 5 million. Is that it is an Bend awful goalkeeper. Lot. He yeah, could be
0: so, 5.4 soon, though. Sale. Yeah. So he's the,
1: top, he's, he's the top transfer out just about. But as I've said, barely a goalkeeper's it's A bit of a surprise that that's happened. Yeah, he's on Preston, actually. Yeah, 3,000
0: um, more transfers out than Chimika's. Interesting. Yeah.
1: yeah. Sorry, missed that one. I didn't That's scroll off un- that. I'm, I'm Unprecedented, I'm guessing. Right. Okay. So, the theme this week is how will FPL change with Ronaldo? Uh, with the announcement, as I mentioned earlier, that Ronaldo is indeed returned to the Premier League, I guess this pod becomes a bit of an addendum to the last one. And that was still analysing <laughs> the game and trying to forecast the way in which the season's going to fall out. And we're looking at the mid price set and forgets, because if we're Accommodating a player like Ronaldo, these guys have become so important in terms of providing the platform to enable you to make your transfers elsewhere, as we talked about last week. Last week, last time on WGCA, we spoke about quite a few things. Deep breath. Last time we asked if we could be more aggressive in FPL, we looked at the 200 club. We identified that last season we only had four entrants for us in seasons before we had a fair few more, an average of six. We picked out that there were a lot more premiums this season, which has been bolstered, of course, by Ronaldo. I presented you with a potential fixture plan to jump around the premiums and suggested that you could be more aggressive if you use your ref in a way that meant that you could basically move around the premiums to shoot the fixtures. That then threw the spotlight onto the Rikers and Robins a bit. Those are the players who aren't going to be quite the main man, but you, you can kind of cover them. Greenwood has now outscored Bruno, for example. That also threw the spotlight onto Trent and Robertson as being forgotten men too and the lust for premiums and suggested that they actually constitute good value. <sighs> anyway, if you want to hear more about that, listen to the first half of last week's pod because we went into that in great detail. I did that very, very quickly. I'm aware of that. I apologise for not an native English speaker. But we're picking this up from here. Because if we're spending all of our transfers on premiums, we're not going to want to spend those transfers on the rest of our team. We're going to want to pick players who are long-term investments among the support staff, who will be able to, for the most part, hopefully leave alone to generate points for us, enabling us to focus, as I mentioned, on that potential premium merry-go-round, if that's indeed the way you choose to play the game. Um, It's also good for me as a wildcarder, because I'm able to hear you guys' thoughts. It turns into a bit of a wildcard therapy session for me, which is brilliant they brilliant to have two decent managers telling you what to do, and you may not be persuaded by that, and still fancy kind of sticking with your men. You may have kind of listened to last week or listened to my kind of very very abridged version there, and think, no, 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 I'm 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 a loyal guy or girl or other, and and I'm going to be kind of sticking to my players no matter what. That's cool too. Um, But here, I guess the focus will still be relevant um, because we're going to be zeroing in on the mid-priced, as Anthony mentioned, ever-presence in defence, midfield and up front, who are showing signs or have the potential, obviously we know there's constricted data, of being worthy as being long-term inclusions in our squads.
0: So really, it's it's all those players that are between your father, very cheap players, and of course, the actual premium. So for your strikers, really, it's your anyone kind of under kind of 8.5 and then maybe above 5.5 to 6. And you could have maybe two or three of those strikers in your team, depending. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the classic team at the start of this season Uh, with the classic forward line of Ings, Tony and Antonio, was a bit of a kind of a break from this idea. But now what we're starting to see is that, you know, the support striker du jour is very much going to be Antonio but there will probably be another if people are going to go with a single premium striker, let's say, up front in a Lukaku or a Ronaldo, indeed, type phase. Even if you go with uh, Ronaldo and uh, Lukaku, let's say, as well, you're probably going to be talking about having that third striker in there still as your support slot. In midfield, you would either have one or two premium midfielders in all likelihood, which means you have kind of two to three mids that you might be talking about who would be your support slots. Either way, those are going to be either your third and fourth and maybe even your fifth mid, your third and fourth mid, or your fourth and fifth mid if you don't go for a 4.5 hero like Alan in your side. Then when you're looking at defence, it's a little bit more nebulous, but you're still talking about kind of players who are in that maybe 5.0 up to um, maybe it's 5. kind of 5. the six, yeah, 5.5 yeah, six. It's it's a, it's harder kind of to say because it's arguably, of course, Trent is kind of in a league maybe with Robertson are in kind of a league of their own in terms of yeah. price. But then kind of between them and your Sioux Fals, basically there's there's quite a lot of potential support players in there who you could very much be considering because at the end of the day they still take up budget and are form part of the greater team structure. So either way, what we're talking about if we're just kind of talking about you're talking about as many as two defenders, as many as three midfielders, and as many as two strikers could be the support slots depending on your team your team structure.
1: So let's look at these through that lens of the question. How will Ronaldo change FPL or at least how will, as we said last week, the advent of loads of premiums mean that we've got to play aggressively. Um I think that there are definitely in every position a lot of emerging candidates that we could probably look at and assess quickly um throughout this podcast, just because these guys are going to be those ever-presents, uh, the glue guys, as late Riser would call them, um, in the defence, in the midfield, in the attack at certain price points, which is definitely worth discussion, just because the idea is you're going to want to take these guys, leave them there, and focus those transfers on moving the premiums around. Uh, let's start in the defence. And as my opening gambit here, I want to mention centre-backs. I know we'd normally say... And a wise Maldonado once told me uh, that centre-backs are a thoroughly unsexy pick we should leave to the end of the season. But if we're now in a situation where we're trying to limit transfers, because we are going to be looking at moving the premiums around a lot, Surely this pushes the emphasis onto expected minutes for your defenders, and obviously there's lots of very sexy, you know, wing backs and things like that. But if you look around the premium teams, apart from Liverpool, where you know Trent, for example, staying a wild card, he's, he's not going anywhere. Um, actually, perhaps the centre backs are the main source of set and forget value out there. I'm just going to nominate, uh, but one in particular, who's Rudiger really at Chelsea. Five point five the season. He was just four point five last year, which is a bit mad in retrospect. But that's the that's the effect, I think. So his first game was game at 20 versus Wolves in the 0-0, the new manager that is. And Rudy could played 15 out of 21 games off the back of uh, his appointment. He managed 73 points in that period. He was the sixth highest for defenders. He scored more points over the back end of last season than the likes of Robertson and Cancelo. But X-Men wise, expected minutes wise, this guy is the cornerstone of the Chelsea defence now the centre back. I mean, surely a five point five is worth a look for your teams in the long term. I mean, yes, he's not going to be off scoring reams of goals nor getting loads of assists, but does he really need to? Like, he's a solid, dependable asset who has the capability to get you clean sheets. A kind of unsexy player never spoken about in fantasy football, but one which, if we were saying, yeah, you know, transfers need to be focused on, you know, messing around with the premiums. Perhaps you want a guy like that as being a solid foundation type pick. I mean, I'm aware that we're now kind of conflating with keepers. Like, I'm basically talking about Rudiger as if he is, you know, Mendy in goal. I mean, obviously, he's got competition from the likes of, you know, the old war horse, uh, Thiago Silva. There's him, there's uh, Christensen. The new contract has been signed. He's five million. He started three out of three. Mm. So maybe he could be quite good. Um, And great fix for Chelsea from Game Week 7 onwards. A guy like Rudiger is long-term hold, one who could climb in price pretty rapidly. I mean, Diaz reached six last year from 5.5 starting point, especially when Chelsea reached that tranche of, of kind of a really good fixture so He could save me a transfer there.
0: The thing with Rudiger as well, and I think I'm with this Chelsea defence in general, is that they are probably the best defence in the league. They pretty much were neck and neck with Pep City in the second half of last season. Rudiger himself obviously being nearly ever-present. I remember him not playing a few games, but, you know, the... Big games for Chelsea at that point were in the Champions League. So that wasn't I wouldn't necessarily I take that with a pinch of salt, but you you know you mentioned Espettiqueta, he's that extra point five, and I don't think he's worth that extra point five. Absolutely but to have this access to a player, and I don't even think you need to wait for Chelsea's forms or fixtures to really flick to feel that Rudiger is potentially good value. Like if you look at any of the kind of you know the team stats right now, Chelsea are already right up there in terms of the um you know expected clean sheet. And even against Liverpool, they were. That can was... say
1: off the pitch. He went off half time injured, and he was yep. still, they they were still incredible. I mean, they're the highest scoring defender right now, Anthony. Who is it? Probably still Alonso, is it? Yeah, it is. So he's played three out of three. I'm not sure what's happening there, but he's second for Chance Great amongst defenders. listen
0: to that match on the radio, and there's a bit of consensus about that Chilwell just is still carrying a bit of an injury. Yeah, just yeah want that's to push it, him
1: it. he's yeah. risen twice now. He's 5.7. Um, he can't, can he? You no. Know? Um, so Rudy goes on one hand. Maybe Christensen as well, 5.0. Like he's kind of sneaking into a lot of wild card teams. He's definitely sneaking into mine. Got a new contract recently, and um, Tuchel was very, very you know, refused by him. The other kind of centre back I want to mention quickly is Diaz, obviously. He's signed a son Contract recently. He's a Pep untouchable six, same logic basically as Rudiger. Another solid, unsexy pick. And um, but I guess kind of the key question to throw to you guys is centre backs, just because people always kind of say, you know, center backs are very, very uninteresting. They're the ones you buy at the end of the season when we're all worried about other rotation elsewhere. I mean, um, James, what do you reckon about centre backs, especially if we're looking to just kind of have that kind of set and forget level of value?
2: It really does make sense to highlight these two teams, uh, Man City and Chelsea. You know, at at this stage of the season, uh, a lot of people do often, and I I find it sort of every season, tend to, you know, start with a fairly expensive defence, see all these, you know, premium options coming in and and start moving their money forward. But inevitably, there will come a time where these Chelsea and City players will will kind of verge on kind of must-have territory. And, you know, we're looking at at sort of Game Week 7, Game Week 8 again, where I think, you know, people are going to be looking at having at least at least one from either or both of those teams. Um, and obviously, it just so happens as well that these are the two teams that do rotate more than anyone. If you're wanting defensive coverage there, you're, and if you're someone who values those safety of starts over anything else, then, you know, you really are looking at, you know, Diaz, um, you're, you know, Rudiger, Christensen, although even they were rotated at times, does seem like maybe that, Tuchel is settling on a, on his back three a little bit.
0: We might draw on your uh, fandom a little bit here, James, because if I was to look at the clean sheet so far, it would suggest to me that Spurs are the Defense that we want to have three clean sheets. They're the only team to have three clean sheets at this point. Now, if you were to look at expected clean sheets, they're hmm. 0.98. Uh, this is the suggest, trouble. <laughs> Suggests that they're um, overperforming like nobody yeah. else in terms of clean sheets so far. Would you put a Spurs player anywhere near your defense, uh, any of the, even the expensive ones or even just the cheaper ones just while we're on it?
2: Yeah, I do, you know, I do actually regret uh, not bringing uh, Reggie on in this week. Um, um, I, I toyed with the idea of, of bringing him in over over Cufau. Um mm. and I, I kind of, you know, it's more Nuno than than Spurs, I suppose, because we know about his history with fullbacks and and how yep. well fullbacks have, have tended to uh, perform under him. Um, although, you know, we, we've seen him use a back three with, with wingbacks more often than than he is now. But even so, you know, you look at someone like Regian who um, who does like to get forward, doesn't always have the best end product. But I thought, you know, there was always a chance that he would do well under Nuno. I I think he's the second high-scoring defender so far this season. Um, I might might be wrong about that. Four
1: bonus points, three clean sheets, job done uh, for everyone. Yeah,
2: so naturally I'm kicking myself a little bit for not bringing him in. I mean, Nuno seems to be getting a tune out of Dyer and and Sanchez. So, you know, I'm sure there's some credit due there. Um, But things could change, you know. We're being linked with uh, Emerson Royale from... um, from Betis, or formerly Betis, now Barcelona, to come in at right back potentially, and and we've got um, obviously Christian Romero still to come into the side. He's off on international duty, as far as I know. I suppose it's his partner who you want to look at, and I'm still not a hundred percent sure who that is. My guess is probably Dyer, because Dyer's is a little bit more of a old school. Romero is a little bit more progressive.
1: I mean, there's lots of options there because of the free clean sheets. Yeah. Everyone's looking at those players and especially they, 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 they're they in that kind of you know, nice kind of golden zone for being that second or third defender um, that you'd be really interested in for populating this particular slot. I mean, for me, I'm going to throw in a couple here away from centre-backs. I'm not going to be obsessed with centre-backs forever. Obviously, you mentioned there are regular on there, James. Um, but you've got um, a couple that are really kind of high in mind for me. One is Kieran Tierney. Uh, Arsenal's fixtures do turn. He's down to 4.9 now. They've got Norwich, Burnley, Spurs, Brighton, Crystal Palace, Nassauville in the next six. So there's potential for points there. And obviously, maybe feel lessons back at times. And he's also four for defenders in terms of chances created. But I'm just not sure I can put myself through owning him, being an Arsenal fan. I just don't think I can do it. I'm worried about us. We'll speak up this later in the questions. But it's woeful stuff going on down the Emirates. Um, but there's one man I want to mention, and it's it's a man I didn't think I'd be mentioning at all. Uh, but it's Semedo at Wolves, uh, four point nine million, uh, same as Tierney. Uh, 73 points the uh, second half last season not the best footballer in the world um, let me just say that I mean if, oh, you, if, you've, if you've watched mm-hmm. him play you will know that he is not the best footballer in the world And what I like about tomato is obviously the average position same thing you guys did like um, so on, in Lager football which is uh, similar in some ways to Nuno football as well Um. His high wing backs, lots of involvement from them, and lots of crosses made as well by Wolves. They've actually made the first most crosses so far. I think they're fourth for shots overall. The idea is that Wolves will eventually get there because they've played really well over the first three games of the season. They've just not scored the damn goal. And, and you've got to be thinking that at 4.9, given his average position, which is really encouraging, his SGI, mm-hmm. which is fairly encouraging as well. Semedo could be part of that. The next four before the next international break after this, you've got Watford, Brentford, Southampton, Newcastle. Um, is obviously hoping for a thing called returns, and a hope is a big word. And um, but four point nine, he could be really good for that. I'm more infused by him than Anthony's man Cody and Marcel. That's for sure.
0: Ah, uh, Cody has been following in those corner kicks and just hasn't quite got a touch on one yet. It's coming. It's coming for him. But I I do think he's a pretty good pick still 4.5. Solid guy to have. Good fixtures. It's just everything you've said, basically. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to these defenders, I think what we need to really just like drag us back to what we were talking about here, and it's like, what's actually, what's Ronaldo going to do to this? Or what is the premium push going to do to this? And I think everyone's going to end up with Probably more than two premiums in their sides once they hit those wild cards in the next few weeks. Um, What I suggest that this would happen, what would happen with this slot really is that pre-CR7 or pre-the premium rush, you might have had teams in the template with Trent Alexander-Arnold plus one of these supporting defenders. Post-CR7, I think you're kind of going to be looking at Trent Alexander-Arnold and none of them at all. Maybe one or two of the support players I think you could do, but I think then at that point you're going to be talking about sacrifices further forward. I wouldn't be surprised if we see an awful lot of teams with the likes of Diaz, the likes of Rudiger, and then an awful lot of fodder. And then you could have teams like my wildcard team, which was kind of trying to actually oddly enough stretch myself to make sure that I made sure I wasn't missing attacking returns early on. I could work it out later and move money back eventually and have none of these players um, although, you know, when you see the Chelsea fixture swing and the City fixture swing to come, that's when I felt I was going to be bringing money backwards again. Didn't quite work out that way. Either way, if you're going to have any more than one of these players, what you're really going to be talking about is cutting money down in the midfield. And I think that brings us nicely forward to the midfielders and the many, many support players that will be vying for our attention for those, you know, midfield third and fourth slot or midfield fourth and fifth slot, or even indeed the third, fourth and fifth midfield slots in our sides. It's no secret, of course, that Benrama is one of the most popular ones of these players, but there is the likes of Greenwood, Jada, Gray, Rafinha, Torres. So there's so many options in this bracket. Really interested to hear, James, your thoughts on this bracket. How many players do you expect to keep in this bracket? Even I know we'll take you forward a little bit to this wildcard you'll do eventually. Do you think you'll still have as many as you have right now? How many do you have right now? What will the effect be?
2: earlier on, I kind of spoke a little bit about how you've got to get on these kind of mid-priced assets early with, with the view to being flexible and moving them around. But as you guys have alluded to already, that's starting to change a little bit now. Um, you're, we're now looking for uh, mid-priced assets that, that are going to be the set and forgets. And we, you know, with, with a view to perhaps moving these premiums around because we can't afford them all. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's got to that point where um, I'm, I'm going to be really trying to kind of focus on who it is that I trust to be able to keep there long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, which is, which is kind of not how I went into the season. I went in with, you know, a couple of players so I thought I, I can maybe get a couple, couple of weeks out of these two and, um, yeah. perhaps, you know, move off them. Um, with a view to keeping those premiums in place, and then Lukaku came in and Ronaldo's it's, come in. So, a, so a, a month of...
0: ago, a month ago, where we all thought we were going to be on Bruno and Salah for 38 yeah. game weeks. That's a long time ago now.
2: So I mean, I've been quite fortunate in in, in the respect that those two guys that I, I I thought I was going to be selling on after a couple of game weeks, Greenwood and, and Ben Rama, have ended up kind of cementing their positions and. I, 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 I still feel like now watching Greenwood every week that players like him are, are, are kind of unexpectedly starting to cement their
0: spot. Do you think he's cementing his place both in Ole's side and your own side or do you think he will still show him the door here?
2: I mean, I I think it's one of those where I I will just assume he'll keep playing until he doesn't. And you, if you uh, were to wildcard
0: tomorrow, which two midfielders would you pick? If you didn't, So you had the chance to, without any sort of detriment to your side, ditch ben Greenwood and
2: Benarama if you felt like yeah. it. Do you change? If I was wildcarding, Greenwood would perhaps stay for now. Just because United fixtures are, are so fanciable. The next few, I still think in terms of going, you know, goal scoring, it's going to be good for them. Um, Jota is another one who's crashed oh. back in. He always creeps back in. I mean, this is all dependent on the kind of Bobby Firmino injury update. Obviously, he went off with a hamstring injury. Yeah, I think I would I would probably be looking at Greenwood and Jota at the moment. Obviously, Torres
1: isn't in around there as well. I was going to throw in here, I think, because you've got Benrahma, Anthony. Obviously, I was denigrating him all week and um, missed the chance in the West Ham game. I'd like not to register. I've made 0.4 on him now, so 0.2 profit. Surely it's now become a case of when do I sell with him? Only six shots taken, four chances created, two goals, two assists. Is that sustainable? Absolutely not. There's no way that's going to happen anymore. Am um, I going to sell him? No, as well. So perhaps United Leeds and Brentford next for And uh, you know Greenwood as well. Um, I mean, I've been punished by him for the last few weeks. I know, James, you were very close to arguing with me to put him in. And I was very, very close to you. And I went with uh, Gundogan, one of those sort of sliding doors moments at the start of the season. Um, but I mean, you both mentioned Torres. He's one I've got at the moment. Um, he's risen, actually, this week, 7.1 now. Um, but I, I guess it's kind of contextual, as it always is with Man City players. It's contextual why I've got Torres. Like, no striker at City at the moment. Uh, Jesus on the ring. Could it be Faran time? I mean, it could be reactionary as well. You know, people may be screaming, "Yeah!" But he scored two goals, one assist, and he played versus Norwich. Got a goal scrapped. Um, so, is that why you've got him in? Yeah,
0: like this this week, it, it obviously looks great getting him in. The problem Absolutely. is that we're recording this on Monday night, transfer deadline day, is about twenty four hours from now, and if there's a striker brought in, you're off it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, if not, though, there's obviously the Pep Pet's project potential about Torres. Uh, Sam Lee at the audacity has mentioned how the staff at City noticed he was better in the box than outside the box, and has basically said they're converting him into number nine. Obviously, it's a bit ropey. Is he going to play number nine there? Is he going to be the new Aguero? Will they revert to a false nine? Hmm. But if they've got nobody else, and Jesus is now a winger, which seems to be what Pep is saying, why not? I mean, I'd not be as open to a gamble there with a player like that if he was like eight-ish. Yeah. But at <laughs> 7.1, for City's number nine for the foreseeable future, I'm talking about in the next six, seven game weeks. That's a pretty decent gamble, isn't it? I mean, City do, do make a lot of chances. They've created 11 big chances already in three game weeks. Like, Why the hell not look at the central guy and think, well, he's worth including in my team? He's not particularly involved in the play, actually, if you watch. That's good. He's, he's kind of moved into yeah. kind of more of a Ronaldo sort of create. literally just looking to kind of get on the end of it role. But he doesn't need to be, as you guys have just kind of alluded to. It's all about finishing. If Pep thinks he can do it, and Pep's a lot better foot manager than I am, I'm happy to see how that plays out at
0: 7.1. So, James, just you mm. mentioned there with the midfielders that you had Greenwood and Jota would probably be the two you'd pick. Now, that suggests to me that if you were in this hypothetical wildcard that we were discussing, you would probably be thinking about trying to get two elite forwards into your
2: side in a way. this is this, Have I assumed too much? My instinct would be that I probably, you know, I still probably would want Salah in there. It would probably yeah. be one, although... You know, it is hard to overlook, certainly if you're wildcarding this See, week. The thing um, is, is that if you're
0: looking at one, then you're probably looking at a third player in this slot, aren't you? And I think that's that's what's kind of interesting about what Ronaldo is doing to our brains, is that you're probably now going to be looking at putting a third one of these midfielders into your team if you were to fit slotted around. Would that be the likes of Gray, Rafinha or someone else?
2: I've had Smith-Rowe actually from the start of the season, who obviously hasn't done anything yet. but Commiserations, yeah. Yeah, but he's mostly been been sitting on the bench, and, and now supposedly it's time to shine. But um, if I did want to upgrade him to a, a sort of more of the one of these kind of mid price guys, then you've got the Wolves players who seem to. It's not quite <laughs> happening there yet, is it?
1: Trinkaus, you know. No, this, very the chances silky, this, like,
2: the the expected stats are brilliant,
0: but if you just look at yeah. it at all, you're thinking
1: no. There are so many kind of options around, aren't there? We've got Liza Rafinha, who's not going to Brazil as far as we know at this point. That's probably going to date the pod immediately. Um, obviously, at leaves there's a rich stat profile from last year in the top 10 mix for shots and chance creation what we like to see, really. A poor man's Hazard. Um, leads embark on a brilliant set of games, um, and he's been kept sufficiently quiet thus far. And um, like so Anthony, are, you know, not going to be pushing him too far forward, hoping that he stays a differential. Um, but a good long-term investment because um, after Liverpool, you've got no games to worry about um, against any top 4 team, only game uh, West Ham, the game we have got to worry about. Yep. Um, but they're all good fixtures for Leeds, basically. Well, and West Leeds. Ham, do not keep clean sheets. Exactly. So until <laughs> mid-December, you're pretty damn good. The definition yep. of set and forget in the context of the question we're asking. Yep. And a couple of others as well. So Gray, nowhere in the stats, proper ex-Lively. The Guardian said he was responding well to the manager putting faith in him. Hmm. But watch out for Luis Diaz uh, from Porto. There's a mooted swap deal between him and Hammers, um, which could come in. And the other one, um, a random one, is there's a really nice piece by Snake FPL on Twitter today, which mentioned Duke Corey um, as a Duke. Uh, we, call, we call we call him the Duke on um, our little slag group. Um, it, as a box to box midfielder, um, there's a good quote here from him. He said, "This season, I'm looking to be going more forward and attacking." The manager wants me to be more offensive. The first time we met, him and Rafa looking into each other's eyes, beautiful, he explained my strengths and what I have to do. We spoke on the training pitch. He told me to, I have got to go forward and score more goals. It's one of my main qualities as a player. I want to enjoy that this season. Goodness, so, he, he should have point. told him to win the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, back to the back. No, that's a bottom spot the <laughs> at that kind of level. Why not?
0: Uh, Sorry, these, these quotes oh. always drive me mad. It's like you can't use quotes as evidence. <laughs> oh,
1: it's beautiful. Though. In most people's minds, Ducore is going to be a defenseman, midfielder, blah blah blah. But if he's got this sort of instruction from the manager, he said that someone's elucidated that, then fair enough. That's worth that's worth kind of mentioning. The other one is Saar at Watford, 6.0, features improved, and um, at the risk of kind of. Super brevity. Uh, the forwards, we need to go there. How yeah. important is Tasman for the forward slots? For me, it's very important. That's why I'm likely to have one premium, like Lukaku or Ronaldo on my wild card. But Antonio, there's no way he's going anywhere. A top point scorer, a very rare hat of double-digital holes. And Beyond that, I guess you've got the likes of Dominic Carvalhoom. He's actually is good. He's second threat as chief. But, of course, pens. So, Without pen, he's been outstatted by lots like, of you know Conor Gallagher at Palace, um, and overall, it's between him and Bamford for me in terms of strikers. So Bamford seven point nine, you know, last game pretty fortunate, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Don't really know what's going on with Leeds, but yeah. You know, I mean, the forwards guys. I mean, how important hasman theory and what you do?
2: If you can identify a talisman at that price, then you are laughing really. Um, I mean, at the moment, that does look like DCL at Everton the added bonus off off pens this season as well um traditionally for Wolves it was it was Jimenez and um you know he's someone who we really want to be an option at the moment isn't he because that that fixture runs brilliant but obviously we haven't seen it yet but if he can kind of reclaim his kind of talisman stasis for Wolves then you know now would be a really good time for him to do it because he's just dropped in price and he's just about to go on this amazing run of fixtures. So there are some, um, there are
0: some good ones there. Yeah, like Tom mentioned, Cavardloo, he's of course has pulled out of the England squad with an injury. So it's like we're not even sure if he'll be available in the game yeah, like that follows this uh, this break. Now, the, the classic talisman that we talk about in this area is Callum Wilson, James. You're going to go course, there, yeah. tempted? He's, he's two, a... two goals already. You know, it's like we always say, you know, don't watch him. <laughs> But, you know, the points seem to come.
2: They do. You know, whenever he's fit, he's quite hard to overlook. I usually do overlook him, but maybe I need to stop overlooking him because, he, you know, ever since he's, he's, he's moved to Newcastle and he's been fit, he, he has been chipping away. Um, it's only really that one season where Bournemouth got relegated where he didn't kind of perform to a kind of consistent standard um you know obviously when he's fit um yeah and yeah i think you know he he's he's always right up there in terms of his xg and i think he is again this season after the upcoming game week that their fixtures improve as well yeah um, like
0: he's he's they have him kind of talking about he's carrying a bit of a niggle and that's what forced him off the other day but that the, the reports aren't exactly they're not serious about him and it's a, it's a well-timed break for him in that sense
2: yeah, I mean, this is exactly right. I mean, you know, I suppose if if now there's time to pick up something like that, then then that's the time. Um, I'm sure you know we'll hear more obviously before the beginning of next game week. I suppose you're not bringing him in this week anyway, um, unless you're wild carding and and you're looking long term. A bit brave um, though.
0: It will be a bit brave. I actually do think maybe we'll drag us back to that question of what is Ronaldo doing to this forward slot. And I think what he's really doing is he's making. He's obviously probably coming into teams or at least at premium. Yeah. Is coming into your into the teams when you meant when we spoke asked you there when we were talking about midfielders a second ago. I think you indicated that it was it was possible that you'd look at having two premium forwards in your team. That's what I ended up doing. So that ended up meaning that the only one of these support players I kept was Antonio. I think it's entirely possible though that maybe the cautionary tale of me alone might people put people off and they might just go with one premium forward. In which case you'd only be really be looking at two. Um, and I think really what the premium kind of push has done in general has meant that what was at one point three supports forwards has now kind of squeezed as low as one, um, you know, yeah, probably absolutely. two in the main.
1: I mean, there are obviously options here. Um, I mean, Wilson, um, obviously yep. the fixtures aren't great. That doesn't matter. And um, as Anthony said, pre season, he's the one who you expect to score against anybody. Um one stat for you, um a ridiculous seventy percent of Newcastle's XG so far is attributable to Wilson. It's insane, 70%. he's insane. We touched it's on him, but we didn't have that 80%. stat. That's insane. Really? Yeah, Three uh, games, obviously, is a very, very, very small sample. Don't attack me and, and lose FC. Is, is I know. It seven,
0: 17 more games and then we'll know for sure <laughs> if he's a talisman this year. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is this is the thing, is that like there are so many good players in that kind of 8-ish million thing, you know, 7.5 to 8. Um, yeah. But you can't have many, if any, of them, except for Antonio, let's say. you you'd do well to get a second one in. Yeah. That's why... The cheaper forwards are really, really looking a little bit more tempting, much more tempting than I thought any of us <laughs> thought it would be. Uh The likes of oh. Dennis at Watford. <laughs>
1: <And> <laughs> that's when you're really yeah oh, yeah that's, yeah. That's, that's purely fixtures, isn't it? There's nothing well, else there.
0: It's also tonight. just like who actually starts and has a hope of scoring a goal that's less than five point five, and like really, oh. really, uh, there isn't that's anyone else. Less than so that's that's where he's uh, kind of comes into things 5.2 right now so he's obviously had two rises and yeah then it's Armstrong really the new Armstrong at Southampton Adam Armstrong who has been pretty good so far he's a golden assist could easily have had an assist against United as well so we could be talking about a player with three returns instead we're talking about a 6.0 player with two returns so far in the, his spell at Southampton uh, pretty promising and their yep. fixtures do turn soon they turn in time for James's wildcard.
2: He's definitely an interesting one. I, I think he's probably underpriced, to be fair. When you look at Shea Adams coming in at, at seven, and you look at some of the other championship strikers coming in at, at 6.5, um, yeah, Armstrong was right up there in the goal-scoring charts, wasn't he, last season? And when Southampton could run a fixture, it's definitely someone I'd be considering. But I think it's probably worth maybe leaving it a couple of games just to see. See, But, but so far, you know, he, he's just he's adjusted really well. Yeah, he's, he's, um, he's,
0: sixth, he's sixth for forwards in terms of XG, which, you know, of course, we're talking about three games, and some of the forwards even ahead of him, Lukaku, for example, haven't even played as many games as him. But he, he still has been at least getting, you know, yeah. into the right positions. He does oh, look quite good when you watch watching yeah, He
1: shoots on sight. That's the thing. He's a volume striker. So you're we hoping yeah. for something out of huge volume that he puts out. Yeah. One, one guy, though, I mean, Timu Puki, 5.9 ah, million, Tasman ex talisman king, Anthony. Uh, two seasons ago, he was talisman king. Purely fixtures-based, though. I've got no stats to back this up. I mean, they've got Arsenal game week four, but (laughs) lol. Um, Between now and game week 14, which uh, takes us all the way through to the start of December, they only play Chelsea game week nine. So only one bad fixture in the next 11 game weeks to worry about. If he's going to score goals, and we know that last time Puka was in the Premier League, he only scored goals in the first half of the season it's going to be around now. So he could be one, if you are majoring on talisman theory, um, he could be the one that you would look at going for. Anyway, um, let's move on to our final thing. We're going to nominate three top candidates amongst this group of kind of uh, mid-price sort of uh, uh, support players, ever-present glue guys sort of things of all the positions just to kind of go for it. Very quickly though, because I know we've kind of just got through this uh, yeah we've got uh, we've had a lot of talk about in the first half of this pod and um, I'm gonna put mine forward and maybe go to, to you Jada afterwards and um, but mine yeah. are one uh, Rudiger at Chelsea Um, right at the top actually leave him there I think that he could be a really really good pick and um, I think that I may be moving him out for sure We'll talk about a short later on and um, uh, number two is Torres just because of the potential of what he could be this could be replayed, you know, four weeks down the line when he's not really played any games and have signed somebody. Fair enough. Uh, but at, at what I know now, a 7.1 million midfielder being Mancity's number nine, perceivably for the, the year ahead. Wow. And number three, don't forget about Antonio. Don't be the person who throws the baby out the bathwater on the wild card. And um, I think that. You know, it's such an open book the forwards. We didn't really just get into that too much because of time, um, but I think that the forwards is quite hard to read at the moment, um, and I think that Antonio is still, is at the moment, doing what we want him to do, more than we want him to do. He's exceeding expectations. So I think that you know, Rudiger, Torres and Antonio are my three. Uh, James, what do you reckon, quickly?
2: well yeah i mean we've not really spoken about antonio have we so far but i suppose it's sort of because we didn't really need to yeah, because goes he's saying yeah he does and i think for that reason he probably would be number one for me at the moment um uh, in terms of those mid-price players he's just you know he's he's he's, exce- he's he just really is that a beast isn't he when he's when he's fit um and if you know supposedly he's been he's been working harder on those injuries now and um, yeah, I mean, who, who knows if if he could stay fit for a prolonged period, then it's, it's quite a it's kind of scary prospect. So I'll have him at number one. Um, I'll go with Greenwood at number two. I think he's. I, I, it's got to the point where I do I do feel like he's playing his way into the team. I know United do have quite a, a you know a, a, a serious number of attacking options now, but. How can Oli possibly drop him at the moment? You know, it it just it, it doesn't seem like he, you know, he's he's been just you just give him, him James
0: you give him Z games and stuff. This is the thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and he had some, you know, exit velocity as well. You know, he finished last season, which I, I think people overlook yeah, as well. F- he, oh, was very, not- he
0: was very good last year. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I think he's just going from strength to strength. So I think he's, you know, I still think he's a, a pretty good transfer in, um, if if you don't own him. And even if you're not wild carding, I still think, you know, with those fixtures coming up, he's great. Um, God, I'd say so third. Um, I say 3rd i can not I can't, I can't believe I'm going to say it, but just for now, I might even have Jota there. I, uh, I know. I've I, kind of just normally because he's someone who I would just avoid <laughs> and, and just I have serious trust issues with him. But oh, I guess assuming Firmino going to be out for a couple of weeks, I think Jota's got a couple of really good fixtures now to stake his claim with Jota
0: is that I do feel like Liverpool just aren't as good attacking-wise as some of the other attacks are with premium assets in there and so that's why I feel like go with jota for now especially when it looks like he's going yeah. to be staying in the team i didn't think <laughs> i didn't think he wouldn't start in the in game week three but you know as it turns out he's nailed now so that helps but yes i, I still actually wouldn't put jota in this because we're kind of maybe focusing on the nailed aspect of you know not moving these players on i think maybe i'd be taking yeah, tom's yeah. lead on this and thinking about the players who aren't moving and so with that in mind he went for Ruger. i would point to diaz as um, my number one pick in this slot i just feel that that See defense is so solid, but what Diaz gives you for that little bit more money is a serious goal threat. And, you know, it would not be surprising to find him with five goals at the end of the season. That's pretty good for a defender who's also going to be churning out clean sheets in pretty much every second game. Uh, I know there's a serious irony to me picking a defender first in this when I haven't actually put one of them into my side, but the plan was always to get one in there eventually in a few weeks. But yes. Uh, secondly, I would put Antonio. I feel like he's kind of until, or no, I don't want to say until, if he gets an injury, he obviously falls out of this, but on, up until that might happen, he has to be someone that we'll be keeping into our side. West Ham just look too good right now. And thirdly, As long as there isn't any moves, I would say Torres has to be the third one here It's for all the arguments that Tom made basically about the fact that he is a seemingly nailed-on starting central player in the Man City team. They're only one signing away from that being completely ruined or Jesus getting a run in the middle and doing well there. But for now, those would be the trio I would choose.
1: No, fair play. Um, I think this, it's obviously interesting to speak about this because we're looking at the ways in which Ronaldo is going to change FPL and change FPL management. And the way it could make it is to force the focus upon these particular players who are going to be in your teams that you're looking to make a long-term investment on. These are all players we've mentioned who are going to be sat there, stuck there, that you're not going to be looking at, hopefully, in terms of making transfers. So hopefully our look at them... Um, the way in which we've spoken about them and the way in which we've analysed them is going to be useful to you in terms of how you put your teams together um, going forward in this new context in this new FPL environment. Alright, take a break here and we'll move on to Ronaldo himself in the correspondence just after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's Time to get into our correspondence. Yeah, Louis Harris got in touch here to talk about something that's going to lead us on her anthony, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and the correspondence section is an extremely versatile slot. So often it's just listeners' questions coming in in a long form, but sometimes it can be much more creative endeavours like poems and like songs and anything else that comes with it. Who got the assist at gmail.com is the way to get this, them to us. Uh, if you have Tom on WhatsApp and you want to send something like a voicemail, then, you know, you can just send him that instead. <laughs> so there's, yeah, there's lots of different ways you can get stuff in for the correspondence section. But indeed, yes, Louis Harris did write in this time and he's talking about that. The big elephant in the room and that is CR7. So his email went like this. Hi guys, hope you're well. When we started playing FBL last year and I love the podcast. Just wondering now that Ronaldo has joined Manchester United, what the hell do I do? I have Bruno Salah, and was looking to get in son but with the arrival of Ronaldo. Do double up on Bruno and CR7 and swap out Salah? Is that what I should do? Should I forget about San? Or perhaps avoid CR7 altogether? All the best, Louis. And what Louis is getting at is a question that we've kind of had touched upon by some others who have written into us as well. Some guy called Nick messaged us on WhatsApp and he was asking us to rank Bruno, Salah, Lukaku, Kane, Ronaldo uh, for the next little while and was wondering whether two of those players would be enough. And Sean McCall also wrote in and he was throwing shade at the Bruno owners Bruno by asking, is it time to move off Bruno? And will Mason Greenwood be affected by Ronaldo? So an awful lot of questions kind of coming in with the arrival of Ronaldo. But just in general, James, what the hell do you do when you've got Ronaldo coming in? How many premiums are you going to have? Is he the only one? Is he going to complement one or two, in fact? And maybe do a bit of a ranking on Nick's question as well.
2: Just a few questions. <laughs> Uh, Do you know what? I mean, I haven't spoken about it so far, but with Ronaldo, I'm really tempted just to jump straight in. Um, Obviously, that is going to involve um, two things. It's going to involve waiting towards nearer the time to find out if we get any early little kind of hints as to as to whether or not he's gonna play. You know, sometimes with such a high profile transfer, you 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 get a journalist coming through with, you know, Ronaldo set to start. I mean, we'd be lucky too, but it might happen. Ole's already said that,
0: you know, he's not going to sit on the bench
2: which yeah, I think is a yeah. bit of an indication that it'd be very surprising if he sat on the bench at the very if first did time. Self, no, but you never know.
0: You Ronaldo know has a very tough international break fixture against the Republic of Ireland coming up, though. You know, might not be recovered after. So the
2: legs might be, yeah. Look, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I think if it looks like he's going to start, I will be very tempted to, because I've got two free transfers, to kind of do something which involves kind of swapping Bruno out for him, which obviously could backfire. I mean, he's got a good record against everyone, doesn't he? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's like, and if he
0: doesn't have a good record against
2: them, I think it's just you know coincidence. You can probably cherry pick some stats to make it look like
0: Ronaldo's a great rush against Newcastle. Cherry pick some stats, like literally, to make him a good pick against anyone. I think this is the problem with Ronaldo, isn't it? Does he, because of that, and the fact that you could probably cherry pick a stat to make him good against anyone, does he rank number one in the premiums for you now, or does Salah and his? I think it'll always be mine. Okay. Yeah, I,
2: I think it will still be Mo for me. I just, I, you know, we, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess Ronaldo would be higher. Uh, he could be higher after a few weeks, but we, we don't know what this iteration of Ronaldo
0: can do in the Premier League. The template that Zlatan offered, and I know it's a very changed United team under different management and things, but I think the template that Zlatan offered us, where. Uh, An older central player who isn't all that mobile except in short bursts comes in and hogs chances. Hogs, you know, that final possession for his team. I think that's why he knocks Bruno down um, in terms of interest. And for me, I know you've mentioned Mason Greenwood already and we've talked about him, so we won't go too much into Sean McCall's question on that. But I think that, I think Ronaldo just sucks the oxygen out of an awful lot of their assets. This, speaking as a United fan, who's very excited to have him back, Mm. I think he does affect the others, seriously.
2: I think that's true. I I think... um... You know, what does he do to the penalties, to the penalty situation? You know, that, that's not cut and dry. He, um, I would probably be like 60-40 in favour of Ronaldo taking them off Bruno. 60-40? But...
0: Really? Uh, I, because Ronaldo doing, effectively managed
2: that it. Portuguese team at the Euros and he wasn't even having Bruno on the pitch. <laughs> he's having him, having them 100%. <laughs> you, you reckon? Okay, yeah. Because obviously, you know, the, the, the baits out there have kind of, you know, they've been roaring all week. Um, on that subject But if, if, yeah, if cristiano
0: I... ronaldo was able to convince uh juve and real beforehand to allow him to always take free kicks in spite of the fact that every, so many of his teammates had better conversion rates even over a long term and everything i and i suspect it's almost like a stipulation of having him in the team is that he has to be given these set pieces
2: well that that just makes me want him even more really that's
0: it could i get a ranking out of you for those so for bruno salah lukaku kane ronaldo
2: so I think it's Mo number one still. Yeah. Um. Oh, it's tough. I. I, I think. Nice. Um,
1: <laughs> Nick. To question, Nick tough. Yeah. Sorry. Just. Me,
2: yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh. So. Uh, so. Yeah. I think I'd, I'd go in Mo. Ah. Uh, um, Ronaldo, Ronaldo and Lukaku can 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 jostle it out for for two or th- two and three. I'm gonna be on the fence there a little bit because. Um, if we're talking long-term, I think, you know, they, they could score.
0: So you're, are you relegating your man Kane to fourth and then completely giving up on Bruno?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I still think they're all good picks. Um, <laughs> Thanks, you know, James. funnily enough. <laughs> so, you know, don't, don't take my word for it, but yeah, I think Kane, Kane fourth at the moment, just cause I think, you know, we might get a few one nils with under, under Nuno.
1: Fair play. Um Yeah, for me, it's uh, yeah, Salah's a hero in FPL terms. So, obviously, Ronaldo belongs to an era before us when, like, obviously, he would probably have dominated the stats in midfield, that's for sure. In what we know right now, in the terms of like tangible data that we've got, um, Salah remains an FPL hero for me. Uh, I'm not going to go into why that is. If anyone listens to this podcast for a while, they're going to know that. Salah is first for me. I think Ronaldo in his current incarnation for Man United could well be just ridiculous. He could be an RVP kind of style, set and forget captain. Um, So I think he is probably second with Lukaku in third. And Bruno and Kane is going to be interesting um, if you can go there. I think that that's going to be kind of the ethos of what we're talking about them, being aggressive and having that sort of extra kind of space to move around the template. I think that Bruno having him in there, I mean, obviously with extra points for a goal, um, more routes to you know, a different sort of the um, bonus, whatever. And, um, and Kane, what's seemed like it Spurs this year. Are we going to see the same sort of season last year? We just don't know. Maybe it's convenient for us all to kind of just assume Kane's going to have a terrible season now because he's annoyed. Is that going to happen? Probably not. Is he probably going to be in the mix again? Probably. It's going to be really, really difficult there actually to differentiate between Ronaldo, Kaku and Kane. I think that last year we all kind of velocity clicked into Kane. Oh, we would all want midfielders who do the job for you just because, because they've got more routes to points. But the reality is that it's tough. They're all good picks. <laughs> but I think I'm going to take
0: a slightly yeah. different turn on this and I'm actually going to rank Lukaku number one for me. Fair enough. I feel that that Chelsea Chelsea team creates so many chances and he is unlike with United where you can point to others and unlike Liverpool where you can point to others and even unlike at Spurs where you can point to others I think with Chelsea in particular, mm. there. he is a focal point and he is... The m- talisman theory brilliant. angle, right? This is it. It is a talisman theory angle, but it's uh, it's almost like, a you know, who are the sidekicks there at Chelsea? And they're all very good creators. They're good goal scorers and brilliant footballers in their own right. But I feel like Lukaku has been brought in to do one job it's, and one job it's, only.
1: It's what they needed, isn't it? It, it is. is what they and, so,
0: and so that's actually why I rank him first. I rank Ronaldo second. I very much believe that he's going to take the oxygen out of Bruno. I don't like saying that, but I do believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that actually leads me to rank Salah as the third. I'm going to put Kane fourth and Bruno fifth in the, the Nick questions order.
1: No, fair play Salah uh, a lot, but I think that you know, uh, Ronaldo, I'm expressly leaving 0.5 million for him in my wild cards, And um, OGS, shockingly, shockingly said, that of course, he's not doing it on the bench. And Steve views him as a striker in the surprise <laughs> to virtually no one except a few people on Twitter who have never clearly seen anything of him um, over the last few years uh, yeah. the potential of what he can do is really big as well and um, there's a good tweet by a list known account on Twitter called FL Woods World did some analysis, which caught my eye this week. Um, he does analytics, which showed that moving from the Premier League, uh, sorry, moving from Serie A to the Premier League, sees a decrease in XG, about 22%. So his, Ronaldo's average XG in Serie A was 25.3. Um, that breaks down to 19.73 in the Premier League. But he's overperformed the last few years. So that means you add an extra 1.7 XG as a kind of a mean Addition of his overperformance performance over the last few years, which gives you twenty-one point three xG, is what they expect from Ronaldo this year. Looking at the past few years, but that twenty-one point three xG basically put him level with Salah last year in terms of him being top of xG. I think all know all, he could be an absolute monster. Um, it's not. It's just going to be goals. There's, there's not many assists in there because it's Ronaldo. But that, make no mistake about it, though. There will likely be a lot of them in a way that we can count on as well. I mean, also captain, maybe. And uh, Anthony's points about Lukaku, huge. I think mean, uh, Lukaku as an individual um, could be uh, absolutely fantastic. And from game week seven onwards, if you don't own Lukaku, I think you could be buried very, very quickly. Um, but Ronaldo-wise, will he be hugely owned? He definitely will. I think that that probably is the key one to, to kind of just say there. Um, and I completely agree as well um, that Bruno probably may have a bit of an oxygen starve about him, um, but I could see why you keep him, you know, now, if you were, you know, obviously if you're not wild carding, that's pretty clear. If you are wild carding, I could see why you could keep him with Newcastle next and a really decent chance to face 90 minutes. But, um, Yeah, overall, I mean, he's quite low on my listing of the top five in terms of the premiums just going to
2: ask cuz obviously um uh Nick's question was was talking specifically about the next 5 um with that in mind uh Anthony would you would you still have Lukaku number 1 even even considering he's got you know a couple of tough fixtures coming up uh, after yeah, this, Villa Yeah
0: th- this is the thing yeah I I feel like the Villa fixture number 1 is a particularly good start there especially with Demi Martinez um still going to be in quarantine at that point that Villa game that yeah, hasn't been that great defensively so far anyway uh, the Spurs match, I suspect that the fact that they have three clean sheets so far shouldn't put me off. I don't know if you would disagree with me <laughs> in that, James. Yeah. Really, and what I mean. the, the City big game, sense. like, you know, yeah. b- big player for a big game. Then it's Southampton and Brentford. So I'm actually not that concerned about those fixtures. And kind of when I got Lukaku in, I wasn't concerned at all. The Chelsea yeah. were very, very good against Liverpool in the time that they had 11 men on the pitch. And they were very, very good in a different way when they had 10 men on the pitch. And Lukaku, you know, it didn't work out on the day, but depending on what you look at, he had a point two something or a point four XG, depending on which website you go to. But either way, he still had his chances, even in a game where there weren't many opportunities for a player like him to get a go. So yeah, no, I, I kind of maintain that that I just feel it's just because Chelsea creates so many chances and I feel like they can roll over anyone that I just I kind really, of have. They
1: needed him. I think he, that Chelsea are definitely on the level with Man City now, where they've got the depth of squad where they're going every kind of game versus them, no matter what the FDR um on the FPL site tells you, they, they are have... the bad fixture. They and are the danger.
0: They have that depth of squad in every position, but his position, you know, like he's the Absolutely. one that they they, re, they need. Um, whereas with Ronaldo, with even even Kane to an extent, you can kind of see how, you know, he can be, just be left out of the team for a little bit. I feel like with Lukaku, they just learned a lesson far too big last season and how they, you know, the reason why they couldn't really contend. And yeah. so I feel like Lukaku will be needed. Anyway, I feel like that rounds out that correspondence section. We've dug into it nicely. Thanks very much to uh <laughs> to louis for writing into us louis wrote into who got the assist at gmail.com with his question but you can write in with pretty much anything and we'll probably find a way to get it into a pod very very soon <laughs> let's move Absolutely on to the will. listeners questions
1: yeah a very very uh short listener questions this week i'm aware that we've uh gone over in the first half of the pod um will it get easier with arsenal assets easier spent spell esr um, there are a couple of questions here Anthony, can you pronounce the first gentleman's name for me? I don't want to offend him. Uh, that's Owen. Owen. Okay. Um. So at e zero g h a n zero Owen zero. It, it, it's Owen zero. Yeah. Uh, he's got he's got zero for the g, for these yeah. for the o. So um at, uh, Owen zero on Twitter and that uh, right uh, wrote him about Arsenal um here um so Owen said you know he's got. Ben White earmarked to start next week against Norwich. Should I hold faith in his defensive fixtures? And uh, ESR, um, right, Mashon asks, you know, does ESR have much upside when Arsenal field a healthy and fit striker, considering him going forward? Yeah. Arsenal. I'm worried. Obviously, uh, we expect to get and there was a case to say we were unlucky not to get a result against Brentford. Um, Obviously, it could be said there were key men missing at inopportune moments. I'd further say that (laughs) only the most deluded Arsenal fan would say that we were in any position to get anything against Chelsea or City they were both free hits as far as I was concerned. And that probably speaks to the state of the club at the moment. But the manner of those defeats was quite something. I mean, yes, we can hide behind that personnel shortage. You know, that's Gabrielle, that's a white being um, done with COVID, party not being around, Shaka uh, being uh, typically brainless. But the manner of those, oh, Arsenal, face palm performance is quite something to behold. And... Um, as I put on Twitter, I was reminded of what mutual friend of all of us here, uh, Adam Pritchard, said on Planet FPL's Clash of Correspondence recently about Arteta wanting to play Pep Guardiola football, but not having Pep Guardiola players. Yeah, Pep Clotet players, don't he? doesn't he really? Um, the push of this was fielding a positionally inept player in a class match against Man City of all teams. Klasnach being a player that would look to palm off to Turkey. It's it's really, really worrying. And that's compounded by today, where you've got Bellerin looking to Barcelona and Ainsley Maitland-Niles pleading to leave on Instagram. I I know it's Norwich next, um, and maybe that's kind of where Owen's question comes from. And I hope we can turn it around. Um, Then we've got Burnley, followed by North London Derby. If you've got our players, particularly White and ESR, at those prices, then sure. I mean, those players are going to be, we hope and pray, at the forefront of a galvanizing return to form. The season starts in game week four and all that. But I mean, as I said with Tierney earlier on, my worry is that I'm not too sure where this is going to go. I feel like there's a whole situation on the club is very poisonous. I don't really want to ally my fandom with owning Arsenal assets. So if you're considering buying Arsenal players, I would say, no, step away. You've got other things you could be doing which are much better. If you do own Arsenal players, then it's perfectly reasonable to be going into that with them and not spending the extra transfer. Um, but for me, um, I'm not saying I, tr- I did the wild card because of Ben White. Um, but, I mean, he was a player that I had no worries about getting rid of, just because, I mean, I know it's Norris next. I mean, I know that's the kind of team that we historically bully. Um but are we gonna do that now? I'm not too sure. I mean the, the players are at a great price, so I'm not gonna be missing out too much, especially with the ownership as it is. Um, but yeah, all in all, I think that yeah, if you're looking to buy, then buy, don't sell, basically.
0: I'll be very brief and then I'll just let you um, let rip James but I, I guess for me I kept White or I brought White back in actually on my wildcard I sold him when he was 4.5 and then rebought him back in when he was 4.4 4. the logic behind that was basically because I think that at 4.4 4 and less there aren't many defenders um, outside of let's say Livramento who I would have been interested in and so I decided you know what let's stick him back in and Arsenal have a few good fixtures and something might go right for them eventually uh, so that's why he ended up making it into my squad but I guess bring us back into the discussion earlier in the podcast I think if you were going to have any support defenders at all I think the the white slot in my defensive uh, five is the one that would go uh, because Arsenal have shown nothing to make you too confident in their defence so far Uh, further forward I'm still not interested in their assets hilariously I did have Pepe of course in game week one almost worked out but uh, I'm glad that I am not going to be tied to that any further Uh, James
2: yeah. So I think this is a real test of whether you're a, a, a form or fixtures type manager, isn't it really? Um, certainly if you're, if you're buying into Arsenal now, then, then you're, you know, you're probably the latter. Um, but, you know, the the, the prices aren't terrible. Um, we, we saw instances last season of Arsenal of going on, on runs of, of fixtures where they would at least look like keeping clean sheets. I'm remembering, you know, Rob Holding coming in really cheap last season and, Going on a, a run of games where he would pick up the odd nine pointer, even oh, um,
1: amazing assist uh, from. Yeah, forwards.
2: yeah, there was that one week as well. I remember that one. I think we both had him. Yeah, that was a, you know, that was a one off for sure. But, um, but yeah, you know that I think if they if Arsenal can settle down, um, obviously that there, there's a lot of turmoil around. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what's what's going to happen with Arteta, but you know, if he's if he you know, if he's able to settle it down and, and start calming it down a bit and and maybe at least keeping it tight at the back, then yeah, Ben White, you know, looks like a, a potentially, you know, potential bargain. I going forward, you know, I've got ESR. Um, I have had him since game week one. Hasn't really paid off yet, but he's been on the bench for for two out of those three weeks. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, he, he's shown some promise, I think, in those his in those you know, well, maybe not so much last game, but certainly game week two, I think, you know, he, his data was OK. In fairness, it was even ESR, who was the one who closed down Ederson, that
0: almost, you know, in, in a different oh, world, yeah. might have had the ball find its way it into it the
1: fair. net. FIFA <laughs> tackle it into the net. The but, but one yeah, against, against
0: Brentford, he was certainly the um, Arsenal player that
2: kind of stood out a mile as well. So that that makes me hopeful that you know he yeah I'm not going to get into the whole debate about whether oh Odegaard <laughs> means he I'm not gonna I'm not gonna poke that hornet's nest um, but um, I, I I think yeah I think you know that he, he, I, I feel I'm I'm, I'm going to be starting him for the first time since game week one against Norwich because you know what why wouldn't I so you know I, I, and obviously he has gone down to five point four so if you do need an enabler then I think you could probably you probably could do worse than you know. Than, than, yeah. than looking at a double switch involving downgrading someone to him in order to get one of our you know new sort of premium targets um
1: yeah. no certainly certainly uh, nah uh, I, 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 I'm probably going to tag out I'm probably I'm going to go with Samedo <laughs> over Tierney That that is the situation we're now in I'm going to go with that no
0: more um, RSL. <laughs>
1: no definitely not um let's move on to striker chat um very very quickly um so, Sweet Blue Twenty Three asks if Jimenez, 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 do we say do we say ch or j here? Uh, I would go for a ch. Huh. A Jimenez yeah. is a va- is a viable Jimenez. option despite zero goals. Is Jimenez? No, yeah. no, it's not, it's, no, 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 th- no. Is a Spanish. Oh, thing, that's right? a um, Spanish versus yeah, Mexico yeah, thing, isn't it? Yeah. Does he oh, go for yeah. the z? Jimenez, Jimenez. Um, Jimenez. Um, a viable option despite zero goals. And from the pod, FPL Juninho Chris asks firstly which premium for we would choose out of Kaka or Ronaldo. I think we've already covered that so let's go into that and he asks if Kane is not Anthony's pit guy oh, uh, I'll make another reference to pick up uh, for you Anthony there uh, I the idea of the man that you're very upset with and um, I think that um, just to do the cover off the Jimenez point before you maybe jump into the if you hate Kane or not point uh, is uh, worth doing uh, so my worry with Jimenez is probably pretty clear um, he's actually second for shots this season on the strikers with 12 but just one Taking the first twenty minutes versus United was actually on target. His xG is zero point six six, so twelve shots, zero point six six xG. Probably tells you what you need to know. The guy's a bit rusty, I think, and he used to be you know, all about converting those sole chances. It's not quite happening. The Wolves are creating, um, but I worry about him as his role in terms of that attack. There's lots of like, very tidy link-up play, which we saw this, this game week at United as well. Um, but is there much more than that? I mean, obviously, the fixtures are well worth looking at. What for Brentford Saints, Newcastle, mentioned. But I just fancy Antonio, Calvert-Lewin and Bamford ahead of him currently. Um, but Anthony, do you hate Kane?
0: No, no, no! I had to uh, look up pit guy there on Urban Dictionary. Uh, is the person who you would put at the bottom of the pit, Silence of the Lambs style, popularized by How I Met Your Mother? And I was like, what sort of definition gives me another reference? I'm illiterate when it comes to references. I've not seen Silence of the Lambs either, so I'm still, I'm still lost. But no, um. Kate no I don't Um, I, I think he'll stay in my team for another week that will be transfers and captains we'll get to that in a second but no 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 it's just one of those things I guess James very much talked about it enough earlier that you know he is someone who just frustrates you with a blank and then scores and somehow finds his way to 20 plus goals in the season finds his way to 200 plus points in fpl and sometimes you get the points and sometimes you don't get the points and you just gotta take with the punches you know the thing is that maybe i'd hate kane if the rest of my team did well but his captaincy cost me but the fact that literally 10 of my players blanked and antonio so it means that like i can't how can i hate so him he's, he's, i'd have un- to hate un- everyone un-
1: unhated by the fact that everybody else routinely failed <laughs> yep. all right Final question this week, um, wild card party time. Uh, Karam Tizer, friend of the pod uh, via WhatsApp, asked uh, if this international break is the perfect time to be wild carding uh, with Lukaku and Ronaldo hanging about, Kane staying at Spurs. Does that all prompt a reshuffle? A nice segue uh, to the transfers and captains because obviously I've wild carded. Hello. Um, so I had an, a bit of a mayor team before this is not bad, not the worst scene in the world um but i have wild carded since um just to go through kind of why i've done so um it's a bit of an investment behavior Overall, so it's a long term and medium term thing and a short term thing, um, but the long term is always clear. I wanted the wild card, as j Dot said earlier around kind of game week seven game week eight that was always the time I kind of looked at it um and for me the medium term, I always thought it was a bit more straightforward you know just just kind of ride those transfers, make it all work until um you know game week uh, game week seven. And I rolled the transfers this week, which is yeah a bit weird, to wild card into having two three transfers, but I'm doing the analysis last night and that is Sunday night, given when we're recording, I thought it was worth doing. Also, Anthony, I know it didn't quite work out for you this week, but um, you're unlucky in many ways as discussed. But Anthony kind of planted the seed last week with the impact the early wildcard had for many. Um, I spoke to a couple of people in DM this week, uh, Tom Eppel, Physio, I spoke to this morning, for example. Uh, I'll basically tell you what I told him. Uh, So I did the analysis last night on what my intended game week eight team looked like, and there was only 0.5 million wiggle room uh, around that. And I also kind of saw that my game week four team, um if I wildcarded it would be just as serviceable as if I did it in Game Week seven. So it kind of worked out as being a bit of a kind of a long term sort of investment. Then I got a barrage of tweets, so I kind of did a tweet about it. Um but I guess one thing that I did right on that is that I think wildcarding is quite an emotive issue as well. Like there's lots of dismissal going on early. I've certainly been that guy. I've been that guy going, oh, look what that guy's done. Oh, he's panicked. He's lost it. That FPL stag is wild card in Game Week 2. <laughs> Lol. Uh, that um, FPL
0: stag who was at that point like what 12 or 13 points anyway, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't
1: think I've I, I don't think I've got it. Oh, um I, I, I've got to look at blind spot bias and think you know, obviously I kind of know that I'm not going to be able to encompass everything uh, but I what I do think is that I've got a long-term investment in the team that I'm going to do um, in light of my and our I guess WCA analysis of how the season's shaping up and this translates in the team I've got here. So I've got the Watford double up in nets. I mean, J-Dot's also got Backman um, and Foster. But Backman seven saves versus Spurs piqued my interest um, because their fixtures brighten up considerably after this. And him and Foster are the only kind of viable king and air uh setup going. So 8.5 million. I refuse to spend more on that. Trent stays as the short at the moment, but he's under a real threat from Rudiger. Um, uh, we spoke about that earlier on. Uh, the third defender is likely to be Samedo, um, just because I think that the next kind of few games are worth having him in. That, that kind of next for are really, really nice. As that's purely fixture-driven, given how advanced he is in the Lager system. The fourth and fifth defenders are the enabling gifts who are Livermento and Brandon Williams. Midfield, Salah stays, as, the, as does Ben Rama. I'm not going to fall into the trap of throwing the baby out of the bathwater like I did last year with the likes of selling Kane and Son. Um, but Bruno does go out for Greenwood, which I'm still not entirely sure about. Um, there's that kind of laughable default of, I'm not going to captain him. Therefore, he's a lot of cash. Therefore, he's not worth me owning. And that money's gone to a Ford slot. Yeah, equally, I can see hindsight kicking me in the balls pretty hard. Lol. I sold Bruno versus Newcastle is what I may be saying next week. Um, but in a way... Similar to what Ampline was saying about selling Salo versus Chelsea. Obviously, the two are not at all uh, mutually intelligible. Uh, elsewhere, I've got uh, Ferran Torres, who I spoke about earlier, and um, Alan is a meme pick. As the five four point five, just because I want some sort of Darius Meme pick, me. meme
0: pick. He was actually the second highest scoring player yeah, in my yeah, team yeah, this yeah. week,
1: but he was on the bloody bench. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He like four chances as well,
2: didn't he? Which, like, I think you, see, really you, see, you yeah. you're
0: you're saying that that's a surprise, James. This just matches. You know, this is his underlying stats <laughs> taken to their nth degree. Like the man's a prodigy.
1: Yeah, great meme pick. And up, up front, um, Antonio stays as well. Next to him, I've got DCL, who may be Bamford. And there may be some who say, oh, no Leeds, because they've got a great run of fixtures, actually, over the next kind of you know, 10, 11 game weeks. And it could be a great long-term investment in Bamford. But I was a bit concerned uh, by what I saw of Leeds. And I think there's a bit of lack of quality in the final third. I'm not sure what, the, what they do has become a little bit more kind of Predictable. Obviously, I'm not saying Leeds going to be relegated in the same way Sheffield United were, um, but you know Sheffield United had a very particular way of playing, and maybe Leeds do as well. So maybe teams becoming a lot more kind of aware of that. Um, but for me, I'm going to just kind of take a step back on Leeds for the moment. But they're all gettable from where I am at the moment, so I'm not entirely concerned about that. So Antonio DCL and the first striker slot is a bit of a biggie. Um, I've got Karku at the moment. No Martinez versus Villa. And um, I think that that could be very tasty and long-term, he could be a very valid set and forget as Anthony's mentioned earlier. But this team, million in the bank. I can spot Kaku for Ronnie in line with our aggressive strategy ideas. Anyway, I'm playing Price at the moment. um, But what do you guys think, especially with, uh, obviously, the international breaks there as well. um, But, yeah, I mean, Anthony Wildcard already. Is this the sort of team you go for if you were doing it this week rather than last week?
0: Yeah, there's there's bits of it I'd agree with anyway, yeah. Like, the the goalkeepers are interesting. That, that was the
1: least ring and I've ever heard. That was <laughs> sorry, a debate phrase.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some
1: bits I'd agree with, but most of it's absolute BS. You absolute no. idiot.
0: <laughs> sorry. I wouldn't say with San... I went for Sanchez in goal and just stuck with my sanchez Renarson thing. I think that... You've made a compelling argument there with Bachman and Foster. I just basically... Watford feel an awful lot better after only losing by one goal to Spurs. A week earlier, they felt... Yeah, uh, I was much more negative about it was how... The say, it's, the say, was.
1: it's the say. It's the say. That's the thing, then. It, it is. It is. So that's yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Um, looking across the defence... Sorry, James, I'll just fly through it. Uh, looking across the defence, I'd be a bit yeah. concerned that you're living off two 4.0s. I know, of course, they seem pretty set right now, but, yeah. you know... It's, it's like, a second and third
1: defender because you've got Alan yeah. there who's going to yeah. do it off me, right?
0: true but I personally wouldn't be too keen on Shaw I've kind of previously discussed I think I would just go for the Rudiger pick there to be yeah, perfectly honest okay. with you uh, going across the midfield are you really gonna do like I don't think getting rid of Ben Rama is throwing the baby out with the bath water I think it's throwing out the expected baby with the bath water you know it's like is he really like is he really as good as we thought he was like I don't think so so um, honestly like you could get rid of him where, where and go would, for something ambitious where, 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 where,
1: where, 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 where they well, go there though because you've got Southampton United Leeds and Brentford next four you see this is it break, and yeah, I've made it's like no maybe it's just maybe
0: it's just easier to keep him and just yeah sink so. for a while yeah, Greenwood. Fair enough. Like that's that's a that's a belief thing on what you think is going to happen with uh, Ronaldo coming in. Basically, do you think that the oxygen is going to be sucked out of them? You've already got rid of Bruno, so but, well, you haven't used the word, but I'm going to just uh, put it on you and say that there's an element of coverage there. Yeah, and of course, then yeah. um and then across the front line, like yeah, it's hard to argue with them. I personally am just not too gone on Calvert Lewin, but I can totally see why people have him. I'm sides. the same
1: actually. I think his his non-Pen XG is nothing really. He could easily yeah. ban for Really yeah. easy I think that's and an EO concession there. And he's he's actually pulled out of the England squad now because he's injured.
0: Yeah, so um, yeah, so I could totally see how you could go for someone else there. And honestly, I could see how he becomes someone like Adam Armstrong, for example, saves you up a little bit of money and like get get pooky there if it, if I was doing that. I <laughs> okay, I'd take but, the risk. But there you yeah. yeah, but there you go. You're still there's a fair bit of cash there that you could free up and do something with if you really wanted to as well. So yeah, no, there's plenty of options there, it's a strong welfare team. Um the faint praise that I dabbed at the start was too harsh (laughs) it was no it's a good it's a good wildcard team and it's hard to argue with a lot of us james
2: yeah no i like it It, it's it's yeah it's around about where i think i would be if i was wildcarding um my i I mean i suppose you are perhaps a little bit light on united but it's it's the domino effect of ronaldo isn't it i mean if if he's gonna start then you know that, that everything changes um because then Bruno becomes less attractive an option, or so you know. So we think, um, but then obviously you know you, you've got Greenwood in there, um, and you know L- Lukaku looks. I'm very jealous that you both have him because I think you know he really could do the damage against Villa. So that could you know whilst we're you know whilst other people are looking at Ronaldo, you're looking at Lukaku who looks like he could very well get a, a, a decent score against Villa. So. Um I'm,
1: yeah, I'm just not, I think that's I'm just it not, I'm just not sure of it, that, that Ronaldo if as you said earlier on, if there are rumblings that he's yeah. gonna start against Newcastle, then he is definitely in, and I'm gonna probably yeah. um either think about do I want Lukaku in and go to a 3 five two as Anthony mentioned earlier on, or do I want to kind of just kind of make that early swap and then think about a ways to get Lukaku in the game seven and do some extra kind of you know, off grid planning, yeah, okay. Well, I'm glad it's not too terrible. I haven't made too many glaring errors, according to you two. Uh, let's move on to uh, James. Um, I mean, you've yeah. got a 3-5-2 here, and you've got the reddest squad I've ever yeah, seen Yeah, like, wow, I, I was know. like,
0: wow, I would going to say the
2: same. It's like, where's the blue? Not great for a Spurs fan, really. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I've got two free transfers, and I've got 1.5 million in the bank. Because um, so I started with 2 million. I've used uh, 0.5 up on uh, Veltman to Kufal already um Sufal, should I say. Um and yeah, so I mean in my head I've kind of got this kind of Ronaldo switcheroo planned, but as we've said a few times now, it all depends on whether we get a kind of a, an indication of a start. Um in which case I'm I'm toying with the idea of of selling ings, Fernandez and uh Simicas. Um and that would allow me to get um Ronaldo um, if he's going to start um it would allow me to get jota in for fernandez and it would allow me to get it really is treason season because i'm also thinking about semedo um in for simikas
1: oh okay yeah
2: um which would i mean it would give me a bit of a benching headache because um you know i'd be benching one of ben rama smith row soufell or semedo so um, yeah, that, that would obviously buy me a benching headache, which I, I don't like having at all. Um, but I do think those are three pretty strong players to be bringing in. Um, Ronaldo, Jota, Semedo, um,
1: yeah, <laughs> on... inarguably very, very good. Not much else, yeah. to, uh, to say. Um, yeah, fair enough. And uh, finally, Anthony, um, you're gonna just say F you to everybody and uh, roll it, I believe.
0: Uh, Yeah, it's it's tempting me anyway, but like come back to me when we get something about Ronaldo days before game week four. But as it stands right now, I'll go ahead with Sanchez in goal, across the back line Sufa, Cody, and probably actually White, um, which means I'll be benching Ailing and Livramento. Then in midfield, I'll have Benrama, Rafinha... Fernandes and Jota, benching the hero that is Alain, um, may bite me in the bat again. And then up front, right now, I have the captaincy on Romelu Dukaku at home to Aston Villa, who are without Emmy Martinez. I have Harry Kane, who is away to Crystal Palace. And I have Antonio, vice-captain, away to Southampton. If I, I was to get Ronaldo in, how am I going to get him in? Is that the question?
1: No, I was going to say, I feel like you need to play Alain at some point this year, just as a It'll meme come. section. It'll come, go it'll come, it'll come. Right. There, there'll be a disaster occur and
0: I will, I could like, honestly, the thing is that the hilarious thing is that I would have ended up playing him in game week three if I hadn't wildcarded. <laughs> the squad would have been so tight that he'd have ended up playing and I'd have got those sweet, sweet eight points and I'd oh. be here gloating. But anyway, uh, enough of that. Um, and so they, where would I get Ronaldo in if I was to do it right now? It's 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 obviously between selling either Lukaku or Kane. I have 1.5, 1.1 million in the bank intentionally to set myself up for this sale. Uh, yeah I don't know I'm not sure who I would sell I, to be honest I think given that I have the captaincy on Lukaku I think that shows which of the two I'm favouring right now so it would probably be Kane who'd be getting the boot but that's not because I'm putting him in any pit as Chris's question asked earlier it's just <laughs> because I would just be trying to get Ronaldo in uh, so yeah no it's a, it's a strong squad this would mean I would go into that game with both Ronaldo and Bruno which is it feels excessive, but there was always kind of... There was going to be a one-week period where I would have both of them, and I was okay with that. And it might turn out to be, you know, hilariously great as they both assisted and scored for each other. But whatever, that's that's where we are right now. Uh, but there is a strong, strong temptation to just do nothing and just stick with it. Because I kind of feel like sometimes you can go into a panic zone after a bad wildcard or just after a bad game week and start to try and change things. And then find the team that, you know, you, you'd given trust in a week earlier just finds its way back. It's completely, you know, you know, horse crap in terms of like, there's no statistical basis to this, but this is just some one of these things that I've observed over time. <laughs> and I don't want to just, I don't want to just, be just get guy. too frustrated yeah, and rash. Really, yeah. This is it. But, yeah. but at
1: the end of the day, if, if there are changes to make, you should make. Right. I think that probably is it, isn't it, Anthony? Yes, indeed. Yeah.
0: Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. We were Who Got The Assist. We would greatly appreciate if you could leave a five-star review if you liked what you heard. If you want to see us rather than listening to us, we are on YouTube, the video will never replace the audio but certainly does supplement the audio at times so i think you may enjoy that correspondence if you want to send it in who got the assist at gmail.com with your poems addendums questions anything there might be thanks very much james for joining us today
2: yeah no thanks very much for having me on guys and giving me my 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 podcasting debut it's been very enjoyable and um yeah hopefully you know be on again soon
0: yeah and if you want to yeah, uh, hear James's hear James's tweets. You can't hear his tweets. they're not that good, but if you want to read his tweets, <laughs> if you want to read his tweets, you'll find them at fpl underscore jQ.
1: Yeah, thanks so much coming on, Jay very good to have you on. Um, we hope to assist you uh, ahead of game week four. Really enjoy that international break. Take some time to self-care. We'll be back um after game week four. I'll speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Ciao. thanks very much.